like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome it's to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. <sighs> okay, let's just get this over with. Before we get into what we want to talk about today, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1, with the other account being Blackman Logan. Then you've got YouTube and Facebook. Just search Logan Blackman Show. They should pop up. And Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're not already, make sure you are subscribed and or following on both. And leave a rating on a five stars. And leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And I hope it's better than how I'm feeling right now. I hope it's better than how I'm feeling right now. Because I am just a few short hours after the Buffalo Bills lost to the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I know. I know. We talked about this game all week last week, we went over everything. We were like, oh, here we go. We got the Dolphins. After week one, I was like, oh, I watched the Patriots and Dolphins game, and I do not fear the Dolphins or the Patriots. I watched the Bills drop 31 on the Rams, drop 41 on the Titans, allow a combined 17 points in each. While I watched the Dolphins struggle to get 20 points against the Patriots with only one offensive touchdown, and then come back in the fourth quarter in impressive fashion, not taking anything away from the Ravens win, but didn't really play well the entire game until the fourth quarter. Through four fourth quarter touchdowns, which is tied for an NFL record, so I don't want to take anything away from that game from. But you know what? You know what? It's going to sound weird. It's going to sound weird. My feelings towards the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills in regards to who is the best team in this division still has not changed. And that might sound crazy for you listening at home or wherever the hell you are. It might sound crazy to the average fan. I just watched the Buffalo Bills lose 21-19 to to the Miami Dolphins. In a game that I was not really, and we talked about this numerous times, I was not nervous going into this game. The Bills had not lost to the Dolphins since Josh Allen's rookie year. The first time they ever played the Dolphins was the last time, <laughs> the first time he ever played them was the first and the last time Josh Allen had lost to the Dolphins. Since then, they have been averaging around 30-something points a game. Like, they are, they have owned the Dolphins. Owned them. They beat them 35-0 last year in the week one with nobody. Like, they played bad. They won 35-0, played terribly. Like, I remember what listening to the post-game press conferences from, like, the radio shows in Buffalo. It's like, like, oh, my God, this team is not even going to make the playoffs. This is a team that just won 35 nothing. They lost week one to the Steelers. T.J. Watt tore the offensive line a new asshole in that, in that game. They beat the Dolphins 35 nothing. They beat them, like, I think, 26-11 to later in, on Halloween. Because I was going up to Minneapolis to go to the Vikings-Cowboys game for Halloween night on Sunday night football. And, yeah, I was not nervous going into this game. And I should have been a little more hesitant than what I was, because as the days grew closer to Sunday, as the hours grew closer to kickoff, more and more players dropped with injury. So we already knew Micah Hyde was out, Dane Jackson was out, so there's two starters in the secondary. We already knew Jordan Phillips and Ned Oliver were going to be out. We knew this. We knew this going into the game. But then Mitch Mitch Morris doesn't play, and we saw what happened last week against the Titans when Van Van Roten came into the game, and... Like they, him and Josh just don't have any chemistry whatsoever. I don't think a lot of people out there understand, or maybe they do. Maybe they do. I'm just, I'm just bashing the public for whatever reason. How important chemistry is between a quarterback and center. Like when I was in high school, I had the same exact center from like eighth grade to my senior year of high school. Like the chemistry between a quarterback and a center is instrumental, and in, not I wouldn't say instrumental, but it is very, 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 very important to an offensive success. If you can't get the snap down, which is supposed to be the easiest exchange in the entire football field, there's problems. And Josh fumbled the snap last week. I say fumbled, the ball didn't even get to his hands. That happened again today. So Mitch Morris was out with a hyperextended elbow. He injured that in the game against the Titans. And then Jordan Poyer's out from an injury that he suffered during practice. So the two starting, so now the Bills are without their two starting safeties. The best safety tandem in the entire NFL. The first time neither one of them have played for the Bills since 2016. Dane Jackson, the starting corner, is also out. He got an interception week one. So against the Miami Dolphins, with Tua or with uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, the two fastest receivers in the entire NFL, you're going out there with a sixth-round draft pick in Christian Benford and a first-round draft pick 
in Kyrie Elam, and two backup safeties, Jaquan Johnson and Hamlin. And then to cap it all off, so you got three starters down on the secondary. And we go back to week one and week two. The starters secondary, starting secondary for the Bills from left to right was Dane Jackson, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Christian Benford. Christian Benford got hurt in this game as well. So Christian Benford's now out. <laughs> so you're playing with now an undrafted rookie guarding Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell with two backup safeties. you got a backup interior defensive lineman. Your two starters there, Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver, are both out of the game. And then we look over to the offensive side. Mitch Morse is out, starting center, so that's already a huge loss. He's the, he was the richest center in the entire NFL when they signed him, or the, the, the highest-paid center in, the league when they, in league history when they signed him from Kansas City. He's out. Been ever-present in the Bills' off the line. Ever-present. So now Van Roten's in. And then later in the game, Spencer Brown gets injured. He has heat illness. So he's out. That's his Bills starting right tackle. So Scott Questenberry comes in to play tackle. And then Ryan Bates has a head injury. He's starting right guard. So Ryan Bates is gone. And then you bring in Doyle, who has never played guard, <laughs> who now is, ex- is tasked to play right guard. And then Van Roten comes out with a whatever injury. I haven't heard what his injury was. It looked like a leg injury. And then you got your third string practice squad guard going into play center. So the Bills are now without three starting off to linemen, plus their backup center, so there's four players. Diggs was out for a lot of the game due to whatever reasons were going on with him. Gabe Davis is coming off an ankle injury. So with all this going on, the Bills some, still somehow managed to claw their way to a two-point loss. It's a weird way to look at it. Yes, the Dolphins won. I don't want to take anything away from the Dolphins' win. You won the game. That's the most important facet of the game you won. They didn't. They will not, I guarantee this, they will not beat the Bills when they play later in the year. They will not. And another thing with that went on in this game that I found really interesting the heat in this stadium was 100 degrees with on-field temperatures of 120. The Miami Dolphins sideline was perfectly covered in the shade while the Bills were getting blasted by the sun the entire game. 120 heat index on the field. Dolphins are all sitting down in the shade. Bills are passing out. They're getting sick. They're getting the players hurt. Cramps all over the place. So when what my lot what my thing is that I want to do here when the Dolphins come up to Buffalo later in the year, they're not allowed to have heaters on the sideline. They're not allowed to have heaters on the sideline. Just to create even, just so we have both games are even. Why was this game played at noon? Or 1 o'clock? Or whatever time you want to say it is. If you knew how hot, the hottest point in the day, we're going to have an NFL football game and not provide anything, really, to the opposite sideline. Bills just got blasted the entire game. And that's still, even with all that, the Bills really beat themselves even on the field, even with the injuries, even with the heat exhaustion and stuff like that. They still beat themselves. The Bills left. My dad and I did the math. I think 23 points were left on the field by the Buffalo Bills. Not including the seven points that they gave it to the Dolphins when they fumbled at the seven-yard line. Not including that. Because Tyler Bass missed a field goal. Then, before halftime, we had Josh and Van Roten miss Bobble's snap. Van Roten snapped it up. Josh couldn't handle it. He was going to spike it. Couldn't do anything with it. Threw it out to Diggs. Because when you take too long to go and you throw it to the ground, it's intentional ground. You got to do it right away. You got to do it right away. You saw that week one with the Saints and Falcons. Jameis Winston got called for intentional ground. He's doing the same thing. So that was a missed opportunity right there. Then we have Gabe Davis dropping a touch, a pass in the end zone. Had it in his hands. Dropped it. Where was the other one? Matt Milano dropped a sure pick six. And then we don't have the attempted field goal at the end of the game either from Tyler Bass. So what? That is six. Four, so that's 20. There's, I thought there was one more that I'm forgetting about. So it's just 20 points. So it's just 20. So we have the 14 from the two touchdowns. And then we have the six. So 20 points they left on the field. And then you add in the fumble at the seven-yard line, gifting the Dolphins a lead or a tie in the game. It was 7-7. I believe it was 7. Or maybe the Dolphins took the lead. No, because the Bills scored on their first drive, so the Dolphins didn't have the lead. It was 7-7 when they scored that touchdown. Uh, this game was extremely reminiscent to what I saw last year during the Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots game. What happened after that New England Patriots game? The first time. The Patriots won 17-10. What happened after that? 
The Bills trounced them by double digits both times they played them. Regular season and playoffs first, second time on the road. When they meet again, the Bills and Dolphins, this game will not be a 21-19 loss for the Bills. I guarantee that. And I'm open to being wrong. I'm very much open to being wrong about that. But the Bills brought out their JV practice squad team and managed to lose by only two points to the Miami Dolphins, who dropped 42 on the Baltimore Ravens last week. This offense, and Kyrie Elam, fair play to Kyrie Elam, locked up Tyreek Hill. I think they said Tyreek Hill's name twice the entire game. So fair play to Kyrie Elam. And Josh played a hell of a game. Absolute hell of a game. I stand by this take for the rest of the NFL season. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what anybody has to say. Devin Singletary had an amazing game as well. Devin Singletary is clearly the number one back in Buffalo. I like that they rotate James Cook and Zach Moss. Zach Moss had a good good set of carries. James Cook was useful at a receiving back. But Devin Singletary is the number one guy in Buffalo. And he was one of the few players that didn't look like he was tired. He's down from Florida. He's down from South Florida. So he's he's used to playing in the heat like that. But man. And then you got to add the short week into it. It just sounds like I'm making a multitude of excuses for this, which I guess I I can totally understand that. This game just sucked. It was just brutal. This was a ex- prime example of the Bills beating themselves. And then Kem Dorsey... Tearing part of the press box after the game was hilarious. But we love it. We love it. Yeah, it was just... And then some BS personal foul calls that were not called both ways. It just was a complete mess of a game. And this will not happen again. There's no... I do not... I still... I still don't fear the Dolphins. The Dolphins beat the Bills practice squad by two points. Two points with the Bills beating themselves more often than the Dolphins did anything to the Bills. Like, this is a prime example. We talked about this last week. This is a prime example of why quarterback wins are not a quarterback stat. This is a prime example of that. You want to go out there and watch that game and tell me that Josh Allen's the reason the Bills lost that game? Josh Allen was the only reason the Bills were in that game given all the injuries that they had. The defense, I give them a ton of credit for playing with all the injuries that they had. No, whole new secondary that had never played as a group together. And two new guys in the interior D-line. All new pieces. And yet they still managed to hold this high-powered Dolphins attack to 21 points. With all the injuries they had. And you want me to sit now and tell you after the Bills just lost the Dolphins that I still fear this team. I don't fear this team. I don't. I really don't. And I apologize for saying that. If it sounds bitchy or complainy or whatever, or I'm in denial or something, if the Bills are healthy, the Bills kill this team. The Bills destroy this team. And I I say that in the most respectful way possible. You have... Benford, you have Dave, you have uh, Dane Jackson, you have, and I'm not even adding Trey White into this. You have Poyer, you have Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, you have an offensive line. The Bills are winning this game by 20. Easily. When this game goes back to Buffalo, I don't remember exactly when this game is supposed to take place in Buffalo. Oh, December 18th. Yeah, the Dolphins are not allowed to have uh, heaters on the sideline. That is the new rule we have going on for this game. We uh no heaters. No heaters. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this sucks. The loss sucks, especially what you saw after the first two weeks of the season against the former Super Bowl, the reigning Super Bowl champions, the team that just came off the number one seed in the AFC. Scoring combined 72 points allowing a combined 17 and then losing the very next week to the Dolphins it's not the greatest look in the world it's a, it hurts a little bit especially since the team that you have owned for the past four years five years have really had no issues with this team whatsoever and they finally beat you and they're like what we're gonna raise a banner because you beat the Bills the second you beat Josh Allen two times in five years 
Now we're going to start celebrating. Yeah, the, the Bills are still the best team in this division. Bills are still the best team in this division. You beat the practice squad by two points. When this game takes place in December, this will be different. This will be the Bills outgained Miami 497 yards to 212 and had the ball for 40 minutes and 40 seconds. And this tweet sums it up perfectly. Unless Josh Allen's hurt, this is exactly why I'm not afraid of the Dolphins. The Bills' backups held them to 212 yards. And then they beat themselves by dropping passes, by missing field goals, for having snap issues, for having all these different things. The Bills are still the best team in the NFL. They're still the best team in the NFL. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. I'm sorry if you're offended by that. I'm sorry if you go, oh, well, they're not undefeated. Look at the undefeated teams in the NFL. So you really think the Colts are better than the Chiefs just because they won one game? No, they're not better than the Kansas City Chiefs. They won one game because the Chiefs had a lot of mistakes in that game. Chiefs beat themselves in that game. The Colts are not better than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Dolphins are not better than the Buffalo Bills. They were better on one occasion due to a lot of things going against the Buffalo Bills in this game. But they'll bounce back. And they will beat the Dolphins by at least 14 when they play in December. I'm guaranteeing that right now. By at least 14. And I'll try to remember this day. So on September 25th, the day the Bills lost the Dolphins, Logan said that the Bills would beat the Dolphins by at least 14 points when they played together in December. So remember this. Remember this. It's going to be fun. I'm very, very, very excited. Very excited. <laughs> Like, this is fun. Like, the last time Tua played the Bills' backups, they lost. They allowed, like, 55 points. They couldn't score. So, you know what? This is a big win for Tua. This is a very, very big for... Very, very, very good week for Tua. But, yeah, Josh Allen through three weeks. 94 of 132. 1,000 passing yards. Nine passing touchdowns. 113 rushing yards. One rushing touchdown. Pass rating of 109.8. Yeah, there's not a player better in the NFL than Josh Allen. There's not. I'm sorry. There's not a better player in the NFL than Josh Allen. You can be angry with me. You can be upset. You can be whatever. Josh Allen's the best player in the NFL. Ugh. But congrats. I, I, all things considered, congrats to the Dolphins for getting a win. Congrats to the Dolphins for being 3-0. One of the few 3-0 teams in the NFL. <laughs> and the other ones are interesting as well. So the Dolphins are 3-0. And then you've got the Eagles. The Giants are 2-0. I believe they play on Monday night. But the Eagles and Dolphins are the only 3-0 teams in the NFL. And the Jaguars are 2-1. And, and their two wins are coming off against the Colts and the Chargers in an insane 38-10 victory over the Chargers. The Justin Herbert injury-prone Chargers <laughs> played Jacksonville in L.A. and got beat 38-10. And Justin Herbert was talking about they were going to give him a, a pain-killing shot like they did Tyrod. Uh, no. So they had doctor, they had a robot do it. They're not going to have that same error as last year. They they don't have Justin Herbert sitting behind on the bench. They have Chase Daniel. No disrespect to Chase Daniel, but man, the Jaguars just dominated, absolutely dominated. I get Herbert was hurt, but man, they held Austin Eckler to five yards, five yards rushing. <laughs> they didn't have Keenan Allen in this game either, but man, thirty-eight to ten. 3-10, Trevor Lawrence, three touchdowns in the game. James Robinson at over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. Zay Jones at 85 yards receiving. Christian Kirk got a touchdown in this game. That was a good old-fashioned ass-kicking. But we brought up the Eagles earlier. The Eagles got a nice little win today over the Commanders, 24-8, with a safety getting there for the Commanders. Jalen Hurts, three touchdowns in the game, 340 yards passing. Also had 20 yards on the ground as well. And this brought my dad brought this up to me earlier today. I thought it was very interesting to think about because I've never actually really thought about this. But remember the before the season started? Remember my hot take that I had after Zach and Kevin's episode that Jalen Hurts could develop into a top 10 QB? And I stand by that, and I stand by that today. And then my dad raised a question. I guess it was on CBS Sports this morning. Who would you rather have, Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray? Now let me go over what makes these two quarterbacks good, what their vices are, whatever. With Jalen, okay, I think Jalen is a lot less developed passer 
than Kyler Murray is. Like, Kyler Murray came into the NFL. We knew what he was. Jalen Hurts, he had one year where he looked like an actual NFL quarterback. When he was at Alabama, he looked like the Taysom Hill type. But he went to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, balled out. Followed in Kyler Murray's footsteps at Oklahoma. Did similar things there. Kyler Murray balled out, won a Heisman. Jalen Hurts balled out, I think came second in the Heisman Trophy race that season. Or third. He finished the top four. I don't remember exactly where. He didn't win it because Joe Burrow did. And <laughs> Joe Burrow did mean things to Oklahoma in the college football semifinal that year. So what Jalen lacks in regards to natural passing ability, he makes up for in leadership. He makes up for in toughness. He makes up for in heart. Like, this dude has no reason for what we saw his first year at Alabama when we saw him running the ball like crazy that he was going to be an insane NFL quarterback. But he is on track to be that. And the Eagles have done a good job. Though they haven't necessarily committed to him long term, they have brought in pieces to help elevate Jalen Hurts and help him out. You see them bringing in Devontae Smith last year in the draft. You see them bringing in A.J. Brown via trade this year. Like The Eagles went out and made sure they gave Jalen Hurts the the weapons and the opportunities to succeed at the NFL level. Devontae Smith had 169 yards receiving today. Like out of all the NFL, out of all the Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL, between Tua, Jalen, and Mac Jones, Jalen's the best one. Jalen is the best quarterback out of these Alabama guys. Now, with Kyler Murray, the thing with Kyler Murray is he is an insane athlete. Both quarterbacks are insane athletes. Kyler Murray is just so elusive. Jalen Hurts will try to run you over. Jalen, Kyler Murray will try to evade you and probably will succeed in doing so. Jalen Hurts is not necessarily the tallest dude in the world, but he's a big dude. He's a big dude. He's a power lifter in high school. Kyler Murray was not that. Kyler Murray was a baseball player, played center field. He's not a very big guy. 5'10 and 1'8 measured at the combine. 5'9 on a good day for Kyler Murray, but he balls out. He's got a very, very strong arm. I would probably give the edge to Kyler Murray in ter- terms of arm strength than Jalen. But Kyler just annoys me more. <laughs> I don't see a world where Jalen Hurts has to get a clause put in his contract that says you have to watch four hours of independent film study. I just don't see that happening. I don't see there ever being a clause in Jalen Hurts' contract that says that. Because it's not needed. Jalen Hurts is going to put in the work. He's done the work so far. There's not a reason, again, there's not a reason he should be an NFL starting quarterback or be considered a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He wasn't a top 10 quarterback when he was at Alabama. He got benched for Tua. But then now with Jalen Hurts' development, you have seen him become a quarterback that could do literally anything on the football field. And you're putting him up there with the likes of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray in regards to running quarterbacks. Like Jalen Hurts, more often than not, is the Eagles' rushing attack. Yes, they have Miles Sanders. Yes, they have Kenneth Gainwell. They have these uh, different options. But Jalen Hurts the main cog in that. Kyler Murray, not so much in Arizona, but Josh and Lamar and Buffalo and Baltimore are the main cogs in the rushing offense. So we're looking at the positive and negatives here for Kyler and Jalen. I think right now, because my dad asked me this question earlier, and I guess CBS Sports, three out of the four analysts said Jalen Hurts. Bill Cowher is the only one that said Kyler Murray. Right now, I would probably say Kyler Murray, just because I think he's... we. I think long-term, Jalen will be the better option because I think Jalen's work ethic will take him far. But Kyler Murray, man, it's... They're both just so fun. I hate this question. I hate that my dad asked me this because I think right when the season started, Kyler is closer to being a top... was closer to being a top 10 quarterback than Jalen was at the start of the season. Kyler was at, like, I think we had him at 11 or 12 and then... Jalen was at like 16, 17. Do I think Jalen has done enough up to this point to say definitively that he has passed Kyler Murray? So you look at the top 10 quarterbacks based off this year. We're looking at like Josh Allen. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We've got Lamar. We've got Justin Herbert. We have got... Let's go through the NFL. I guess Tua has to be mentioned in there. If we're just going on just this year, not what they've done last year, not what they've done the season prior and stuff like that, who else would be mentioned up there? So we got Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, uh, Jackson, Tua. (laughs) 
Jalen's up. Jalen's in the top five, top ten easily. I don't know why I haven't said Jalen yet. Kyler has he mentioned in there because of what he did last week against the Raiders. They lost this week, but they were playing the Rams. I don't think a lot of people were really expecting the Cardinals to beat the Rams this week, or at all ever. Lost twenty to twelve. I don't know who else will be mentioned up there. Rodgers and Brady, just because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have. I would probably lean towards Kyler, but it's like 51, 50, 50, geez, 49 percent towards Kyler. I like Jalen Hurts more, but I probably lean a little bit towards Kyler just because I can. I think he can do a little bit more. I think he's got a stronger arm, and I think he's faster than Jalen. But I think Jalen does is more effective in the run game because he's not trying to evade. He's not afraid of contact. He's not afraid. Sorry, my mic's gotten tangled up. My cord, my... What the hell is going on? My headphone cord got tangled up. Sorry. I don't know. It's close. I think at the end of the season we'll be saying Jalen, but right now I'm I'm just going to stick with Kyler for now. For now. Because I think Kyler Murray's doing a lot over in Arizona. I think he's doing a lot. He's bailing out his head coach. Without Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a job. That is simple as that. Cliff Kingsbury's not an NFL head coach. He never was, never will be. But as long as Kyler's there, they had the only reason he got the job is because they were going to get Kyler Murray first overall. They had that connection. Like, oh, look at what's going on in the NFL right now. Look what Lamar just got done doing. It's the year Lamar just won the MVP. Kyler can do similar things to that. Get Cliff Kingsbury in. He's bringing that offense. It's so fun to watch, but add nothing to the defense. And boom. We got a one and two Cardinals team, but Kyler's doing everything he can to try and keep this team afloat. The Eagles, I think, are a lot better football team than the Arizona Cardinals are, which is why I'll give the edge slightly to Kyler. I think the Eagles are a better football team. So, yeah. But I think at the end of the season, I'll say Jalen. I think at the end of the season, we will have a definitive answer if Jalen Hurts actually turned into a top 10 QB. I think that's what we'll have right there at the end of the season. I don't, I don't know. I rambled on here because I don't – I'm trying to weasel my way out of this. I'm going to go 51-49% Kyler. Very close. I'm grimacing as I'm saying that because <laughs> it's just a hard question. This is a very, very hard question. But other games we had going on, the Bears beat the Texans. Probably the least watched NFL game in recent memory. <laughs> Texans and Bears. Yuck. <laughs> Bears won 23-20. Titans beat the Raiders 24-22. Remember when people were saying Derek Carr was a Hall of Famer and Elite? Yeah. 0-3, the only 0-3 team in the entire NFL. I think Derek Carr's thrown an interception in every game so far this season. Oh, no, he just threw three against the Chargers. Oh, yeah, but I forgot. He's elite. He just lost the team. Remember we had these conversations before? We're making fun of Kevin, and I hope he's listening to this one. Because uh, the team Derek Carr just lost to, uh, Josh Allen dropped 41 on him. <laughs> Sorry. And he's got the best receiver in the NFL. He's got Devontae Adams. There's no excuse. <laughs> the Bills had digs. No one else. Derek Carr is the best receiver in the entire NFL. And just couldn't score more than 22 points. Jeez. <laughs> he targeted Devontae Adams 10 times, got five completions out of it. He lost to a team that just allowed 41 points on Monday Night Football. Congratulations. 0-3. Elite Hall of Fame quarterback Derek Carr, everyone. That Chargers game he played really bad. The the Cardinals game, I'm not putting on him. That one, the Cardinals had the ball for like an hour before the Graders got back on the field. Didn't have anything going for him in overtime, and then Hunter Renfro fumbled twice. But, man, he tried. He tried to lead him back into this game, but just couldn't get it done in the end. Could not get it done in the end. But, man, could only put up 22 points. I guess a team that just got scored <laughs> B41-7. Nice. Then we said the Colts just lost, beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you told me before this beginning of the season the Colts would be 1-1-1 one and, one and, one, and their one loss would be a 24 nothing loss to the Jaguars and their next win would be against the Chiefs, I would have called you crazy. They missed a few field goals in this game, had a few things not go their way. Colts come out victors. We had the Vikings come back against the Lions, 24-28. Jared Goff was starting off pretty good. Didn't finish the game as well as what he would have liked, but started off pretty good. Started off pretty good. D Jamal Williams had two touchdowns, 87 yards on the ground. It's nice for him. The Ravens beat the Patriots 37-26. A little closer game than I was expecting. Mac Jones had no passing touchdowns, but he had a rushing one. Tried to gritty. Looked really bad, really stupid. Probably the whitest player in the entire NFL. And threw three interceptions, no touchdowns. 
Lamar, on the other hand, had five total touchdowns. Had over 300 yards total offense, and yeah. Just did Lamar Jackson things. He's edging closer and closer to being the highest-paid player in NFL history. Oh, yeah, the Bengals bounce back, finally getting their first win against the New York Jets. Joe Burrow, how many times did he get sacked today? Twice. We're going places. We are going places, Cincy. We got this. We got this. Joe Burrow is not getting sacked. Good job. Only sacked two times. That is damn impressive. That is damn impressive. And, and an improvement from the six and seven sacks you allowed the first two weeks of the season. But granted, the Jets don't have a Micah Parsons or a TJ Watt on their roster. So it's a little bit, a little bit easier of a task asking them to do that against the Jets than it is the Cowboys and the Steelers. But man, Joe Burrow, I feel for you. I feel for you, my guy. But he played well today. Bengals got a big win. We already talked about the Eagles. We have the Panthers beating the Saints 22-14. to Jameis, get, or Jameis, Baker Mayfield gets his first win as the Carolina Panthers quarterback. Had a really Spencer Petras versus Nevada stat line. 12 or 25, one touchdown, 170 yards passing. Christian McCaffrey had over 100 yards rushing in the game. 108 yards. Good to have Christian McCaffrey back. Really nice to have Christian McCaffrey back in the NFL. 22-14 victors for the, Ram, for the Panthers. We had the Cardinals lose to the Rams 20-21. Jeez, 20-12. Falcons beat the Seahawks 27-23 in a very, much like the Texans and the uh, the Bears game. This was probably the second least watched game of the weekend. But we had Cardo, Cardero Patterson have 141 rushing yards and a touchdown. Very good stuff from Cordero Patterson. We had Kenneth Walker, 19 yards on the ground for the rookie. Rashad Penny had 66 yards rushing in the game. DK Metcalf got a touchdown. Man, that, that guy just done. The Marcus Mariota versus Geno Smith. Fun matchup right there. And, of course, the final game of the week, we had the Packers taking on the Buccaneers. Bucks went for two. Did not – did is that what – that's what happened, right? Yeah. Bucks went for two. Did not get it with 14 seconds left. Lost 14 to 12. Not the type of game you were expecting from an Aaron Rodgers-Tom Brady-esque game, 14 to 12. But uh, that's probably the last time the two legends will ever play off against each other, which is sad. But – uh. Weird that it happened with the Bucks taking on the Packers. We wanted to see them in the Super Bowl at one point. Didn't end up happening. Romeo Dubs got a touchdown in the game for the Packers. So did Alan Lazard. Two touchdowns in the past two games for Lazard. And yeah, Cole Beasley, back on the Buccaneers. Back in the NFL. Got cut by the Bills this offseason. Back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. According to reports, a DM from Tom Brady got Cole Beasley in Tampa Bay. That's how it happened. That's how it went down. And then Sunday Night Football, you guys will know what the results of this game is. We got the 49ers and Broncos. And then Monday night, we got the Cowboys taking on the New York Giants, the 2-0 Giants, trying to be the third 3-0 team in the NFL. Oh, it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. And then let's move over. Let's jump over to the college football side of things for a tiny bit. And uh, we had some fun games here. Let's start off with the game that everybody was watching this weekend. That was Iowa taking on Rutgers. So Iowa and Rutgers was a very, very highly anticipated matchup. It was a sold-out Stadium over there in New Jersey for a very elite matchup between <laughs> a 3-0 Rutgers team cutting off insane games against Boston College, Wagner, and Temple. And they come against play Iowa. Fresh off a 27-0 win over Nevada in a seven-hour-long football game. And Iowa comes out 27-10 victors. Defense scored two touchdowns in this game. <laughs> so the defense scored more touchdowns. Then Iowa's offense did, which is the second time we have said that this year. Twice out of four games, the defense has scored more touchdowns or more points than the offense has. Remember the first game of the season against South Dakota State? They had two safeties. This game, Cooper DeGene had an interception. Iowa has now had a pick six in 15 straight seasons or something like that. Damn impressive. And then Kayvon Merriweather had a fumble recovery, I believe it was, for a touchdown. But yeah, it was a it was it was a fun one. <laughs> it was a interestingly fun game because this is a type of game. I remember I was getting asked this all day Friday and all day Saturday, pretty much all week leading up to the game. Will Iowa beat Rutgers? And you want to say yes. You want to say yes, because under no circumstance, and I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how, what Rutgers is doing at the time. There's absolutely no reason Iowa or team like Iowa should lose to Rutgers. But we have watched Iowa this year. So that makes the question a little bit more difficult than what you were originally expecting. You were going like, oh, yeah. Iowa versus Rutgers? Yeah, Iowa should beat Rutgers easily. And they did. They won by 27. They won by 17 points. 
Won by 27 the week before, 17 this week. So next week they play Michigan, they'll win by seven points. And then the next week they'll tie, and then the next week they'll lose by seven points to Ohio State. And then it'll all be good because they lost somehow, managed to lose by seven points to Ohio State. But we'll talk about Ohio State in a little bit. And you know what was even more impressive? Iowa covered the over. Hell yeah, and covered the spread. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Piscataway, New Jersey went home crying after this game. (laughs) And I just think... Like, this type of game is the most 2021 Iowa win, or 2022 Iowa win ever. Like, this is insane how this keeps on happening. How does this team, how is this team 3-1? and one? We have just talked about two games this year where the defense has scored more points than the offense. The defense scored 14 points in this game. Yes, we're including extra points. Offense scored 13, including kicks. How is this allowed to happen? We are looking at a university right now, a football team that has the number one defense in college football. Number one. Okay? I just want to get, get make sure you get, it gets nailed through your skull. This is the... <laughs> oh, my God. Number one in points allowed this season. They're allowing 5.8 points per game. 5.8. They are a top six defense in yards allowed per game. And the number the, the number one worst offense in all of college football in yards per game. They have 232.5 yards per game. They have scored 68 points this season, which is good enough for, you know, bottom 10, not the worst. Scored 68 points, they average 17 points a game. And if you look at total yards they've given up, sure, Iowa's not dead last in college football because, you know, FIU is 870 to Iowa's 930, but FIU's only played Three games a season, according of course, Iowa's played four. Iowa's offense is brutal, but hey, they managed to get four twenty-seven points. Yeah, and I, I, I am not looking forward to next week. I'm not looking forward to next week. Like I was talking to my friends, we were looking, we were watching the game, watching this offense, this miraculous offense, go to work, and they flashed the graphic for the big noon Saturday kickoff between Michigan and Iowa. I am nervous for Michigan. I think Michigan is. I don't. I think we're getting a little cons- like a little overrated on Michigan because you look at the few games Michigan's played this year. Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn might be the three worst teams in college football. Might very well be the worst three worst teams in college football, and they beat Maryland by seven. I know Maryland's got a fun offense with Tuli Tagovailoa, but. Maryland's not the greatest team of all time. If you're Michigan, you're a top six team at the time. They're well, still are top six team. You should not be a seven point game. You should not, you should not be beating Maryland by seven points in Ann Arbor. That shouldn't be happening. If you're as good as everybody thinks you are, now Blake Corm balled out, two hundred forty three yards rushing, two touchdowns. JJ McCarthy, two hundred twenty yards passing, two touchdowns. There had a whopping five yards on the ground. But yeah, I'm not. At, I people are expecting Iowa to get trounced, and there's a very good chance it happens because of what happened in the Big Ten championship game. Michigan's without a lot of key pieces from that Big Ten championship team. I still don't know how amazing their offense is because again, they haven't really played anybody. They've scored above 50 points in three of their games, but again, those are against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. They scored 34 in Maryland, but they allowed 27. So it's kind of hard to judge Michigan up until this point. For the game that everybody should be nervous about is Ohio State. Ohio State, to me, right now, given what we saw Saturday from Georgia, Ohio State is the best, probably the best team in all of college football right now. Probably. They're coming in at third in the college football, the AP top 25, with Georgia and Alabama still at one and two. Georgia had a really weird game against Kent State where they allowed 22 points to the flashes. I They allowed 10 points all year and allowed Kent State to score 22. That was weird. I was not, I was, to be honest, I, I, I was not really expecting that. Especially when Georgia was a 44, 45-point favorite in this game. But hey, they got the win, 39-22. Stetson Bennett didn't play his greatest game of all time. Brock Bowers, the tight end, led the team in rushing with 77 yards, two touchdowns, and a long rush of 75. It's just a weird game, but Ohio State, man. I went on Cole and Company on Friday, 
and we went over game picks of the week. One of my picks was Ohio State Wisconsin. It was a nineteen and a half was the line. All the news con like all the networks were like, oh, Ohio State's first big test of the season because it's the first Big Ten conference football game. Big test for Ohio State. If you have watched a second of Ohio State football and watched a second of Wisconsin football, there's not any reason in your entire brain that you should think Wisconsin has a shot in hell at beating Ohio State or even coming close to touching Ohio State. Like 14 of their points <laughs> were scored in the fourth quarter when the game was all wrapped up. It was 52 to 21 was the final. It was 45 to 7 going into the fourth quarter. Like it was just, it's just an absolute slaughter. Like I respect Wisconsin's defense. Wisconsin has one of the best defenses in college football. Wisconsin's offense is terrible. That game against Iowa is going to be brutal. That's on the day after my birthday. And I'm going to be subject to watching Wisconsin and Iowa. Wisconsin and Iowa? Really? That's my birthday game? That was my birthday game a few years when I was a kid. That was the second Iowa game I ever went to was against Wisconsin. But who actually sat there and thought Wisconsin had a chance at being close to Ohio State? Like, there are a lot of people out there, and myself included, bend but don't break. You have that mindset of the, oh, you can throw anything you wanted us. We'll bend. We'll stay together. We'll be strong, but we will not break. You'll not break us. But, like, every single thing out there, the more you bend it, the more likely it is to break. And when that thing breaks, that break is violent. For something that's apparently unbreakable... When that thing snaps, it makes loud noises. The things flip back in all sorts of directions. And it's bad. But there was no bend in this game. It was just straight break. Ohio State went right down the field the first drive and scored a touchdown. Like, it was just easy for Ohio State. Ohio State's first, what, one, two, three, four drives ended in touchdowns. The first five, if you're including the fifth one, they kicked a field goal. And then CJ Stroud threw an interception. And the start of the second half, they scored a touchdown again. Like, there was no break. It was just, or no bend. It was just snap, <laughs> right like that. Ohio State's good. Ohio State is very, very, very good. C.J. Stroud is very, very good. And they're doing this out Jackson Smith and Jigba. Emeka Abuka, Abuka is going ham. 118 yards, two touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. did not have a great game, but Julian Fleming had 67 yards and a touchdown. Cade Stover, the tight end, 51 yards and two touchdowns. Travion Henderson, 121 yards rushing. Me and Williams, two rushing touchdowns over 100 yards rushing. This game was cheating for Ohio State. In the horseshoe at night? Like, nah. And next week, they're playing Rutgers. They're playing Rutgers next week. In the horseshoe. Yeah, uh, good luck, Scarlet Knights. And then they play Michigan State and then Iowa. So we got three games until the much-anticipated Iowa versus Ohio State matchup. That game is going to be brutal. What is the what is the Ohio State, according to ESPN, has a 94.8% chance to win. Let's look at the stats in regards to total yards on offense, total yards on defense. Just start on defense first. Iowa allows 236.3 yards a game. Ohio State allows 238, 80, 283 yards per game. Those are nice numbers. Those are nice numbers. Iowa, on total offense, averages 232.5 yards per game. Ohio State averages a whopping 558.8 yards per game. They average over 200 yards, 219 yards a game, almost 220 yards a game rushing the football. They almost average more rushing yards than Iowa averages in total offensive yards. You know how sad that is? And yes, I understand they're playing Arkansas State and Toledo, but their other two games were against Notre Dame and Wisconsin. They beat both those teams by double digits. They didn't beat Notre Dame as bad as I thought they would, but they still won by double digits. It took Iowa a field goal and two safeties to beat South Dakota State. And you're telling me that these had... This is another example I'm talking about. Bend but don't break. Iowa's defense will put up a fight, as all Iowa defenses have throughout Kirk Ferentz's tenure. This game will be brutal. Like, I, this might be, like, remember Woodshed when Iowa beat Ohio State in Kinnick? Remember that game, Urban Meyer and the Iowa, the Cedar Rapids Gazette or whatever? 
put Woodshed and Iowa's area, Iowa City's area code, Columbus is going to do the same thing. Woodshed and whatever the hell their area code is. This game will, if, if this, if, if somehow, by the grace of God, Iowa goes into the horseshoe, averaging 232.5 yards per game in offense, and goes in and beats Ohio State, not only be, loses by 14 points, I'll be shocked. If they lose by 14 points, that is a great day for Iowa. If they manage that, somehow manage that, in front of 102,000 people in the horseshoe, that is a that is a massive victory for for Iowa. Like that would be insane. <laughs> oh man, I am not like people are scared for this Michigan game. Michigan's had one game where they played a semi-competent opponent and they won by seven. I'm not as nervous for this game as maybe I should be. I don't think Iowa will win, but I don't think they'll get beat by 50 points. I think they'll get beat by 60 against Ohio State, if I'm being 100% honest. I think they'll get the absolute brakes beaten off of them in Columbus. And I hope I'm wrong. Or do I hope I'm wrong? No, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But that game's going to be brutal. I don't remember the last time... In the regular season, Iowa has played a quarterback to the level of C.J. Stroud. I don't remember. You look at let's let's look back. We'll go season by season. I'll name the quarterback that I think Iowa played that is to the level of C.J. Stroud. Okay. So last year, Iowa played Michael Penix, who did absolutely nothing and left the game injured. Brock Purdy, whoever the hell Kent State quarterbacks <laughs> Kent State's quarterback was, whoever the hell Colorado State's quarterback was. Tagovailoa, Tulio Tagovailoa, Sean Pitt, Sean Clifford, Ain O'Connell, Graham Mertz, who was it Hunter Johnson for North, Northwestern last year or was Holinsky? I don't remember. Tanner Morgan, Dylan Peters, was it Adrian Martinez for Nebraska or was it someone else? I don't remember. Kate McNamara and Will Levis. I like Will Levis. Will Levis is not at CJ Stroud's level. He's the best quarterback Iowa played last year. Will Levis is. We go back to 2020. We got. Was it Jack Plummer in this game, or was it Aiden O'Connell? It was Aiden O'Connell, okay, for Iowa-Purdue in 2020. And then Hunter Johnson, I think, for Northwestern, who was Michigan State's quarterback. Rocky Lombardi, good Lord, I forgot about him. Then you got Tanner Morgan again, and you got Sean Clifford, Adrian Martinez, Dylan Peters, the quarterback of Illinois, back in 2020. Brandon Peters, not Dylan Peters, Brandon Peters. And then you had Graham Mertz, and then Michigan canceled, and the bowl game was canceled. 2019, Miami, Ohio, Rutgers, Iowa State, Middle Tennessee State, then Michigan, who they who was Michigan's quarterback then? Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson. Then Sean Clifford, because Sean Clifford's been there for freaking ever at Penn State. And then was this Jack Plummer? This was Jack Plummer for Purdue. This was Jack Plummer. Then whoever Northwestern had, whoever Wisconsin had, Tanner Morgan, Whoever Illinois had, Adrian Martinez, and then Keen Slovis for USC. Okay? Then we got 2018. We've got... Who's Northern Illinois' quarterback? Does it really matter? Why is it? Why am I clicking on that? It doesn't matter. Brock Purdy. And then against UNI, they played Eli Dunn. And then Wisconsin, does it matter? Not really. Because Alex Hornibrook, who no one really liked ever, transferred to Florida State, and Lord's know what, Lord knows what happened after that. Minnesota, don't care. Indiana, Maryland, Penn State. Was it Sean Clifford again? Oh, it was Trace McSwirly. Trace McSwirly. Forgot about him. Then we had Purdue taking on David Blau. David Blow. Northwestern. Who was Northwestern's quarterback? Clayton Thorson. You had <laughs> Illinois. Whoever Bush Jr. is. Don't even know who that is. Adrian Martinez, the newest Mississippi State's quarterback. Nate Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald. And we go back to 2017. Why don't, okay, you had Josh Allen. You had Josh Allen. There you go. And I was with Wyoming. Josh Allen, Wyoming. How many, Josh Allen got destroyed in this game. He got, like, said, like, 18 times this game. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he got beat up. Drew Ott tore him apart. Drew Ott tore him apart. They had Brock Purdy, whatever the hell Northwest, North Texas quarterback was. Trace McSorley for Penn State. Yep. Okay, Michigan State, Illinois, Northwestern, Minnesota. Then Ohio State, JT Barrett. Wisconsin the very next week. Alex Hornerbrook. 
Then Purdue, don't care. Nebraska, don't care. Boston College. Who's Boston College quarterback? I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> so we got, we got college Josh Allen at Wyoming, okay? That's the leading guy right now. We had Easton Stick at North Dakota State. Looking at the rest of the schedule, you had Wilton Spade at Michigan. I'm just trying to go off memory. Who was Florida's quarterback in 2016? Oh, my God. Austin Appleby. I forgot that dude even existed. This is throwing me back a little bit. 2015? Looking through the schedule again. Who who would be up there? Connor Cook? Mayor Douchebag himself? Nick, Nick Hogan from Stanford? Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan, not Nick Hogan. I think I played high school football with the Nick Hogan. I think that's where I was getting that from. 2014. Go through the schedule again. Who was Pitt's quarterback at the time? Boytick. Yeah, he's definitely up there. He's definitely up there. <laughs> Tennessee, Josh Dobbs. Oh, my God. Like, I don't even worry about the Big Ten. The Big Ten hasn't had any, any good quarterbacks in years. We got 2013, who was LSU's quarterback. Oh, my God. Anthony Jennings. I forgot that dude existed, too. <laughs> 2012. Iowa didn't make a bowl game when a whopping four and eight. Who was Michigan's quarterback that year? Devin Gardner, number ninety-eight. Devin Gardner, and they beat him forty-two to seventeen. Michigan did. Penn State. Who was Penn State's quarterback? <laughs> Matt McGloin. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Twenty eleven. Again, like <laughs> played Landry Jones from Oklahoma, who was all right at best at Oklahoma. Trying to follow in the footsteps of Stan Bradford. And they played Blaine Gabbert in uh, 2010. So if we're looking all the way back from 2022 to 2010. You have got... Okay, Terrell Pryor was all right at Ohio State. You have Blaine Gabbert, Josh Allen, Terrell Pryor. Those are your three. Those are your three. Josh Allen played for Wyoming. Guys, at, his O-line got blown up by Drew Ott. Blaine Gabbert was Blaine Gabbert. Terrell Pryor was Terrell Pryor. But they're not, none of those guys, like, in the college level, when they were in college, none of them were as lethal as C.J. Stroud. Josh Allen was not this lethal in college. We know what Josh Allen is now. Josh Allen is the best football player in the NFL. C.J. Stroud may be the best player in college football. Him and Bryce Young, it's a one a one and two, and then the rest after them. Like, people, I was with my friends last night. We were watching this game. People wanna, are worried about Michigan. Worry about Ohio State. They're not, I, if they, I think they have a shot at beating Michigan. A very minimal one. I think they have somewhat of a chance. Like, and when I say a chance, I think they can lose by 10. I think we could see a 21 to 10 Michigan win. I know that's 11, but forgive me. They have no shot at being Ohio State. Like, that's what I'm trying to get across to people. Michigan's going to be scary because it's Michigan, but they don't have Aiden Hutchinson. They don't have David Ojabo. They don't have Daxton Hill. They're They're a good group. Top 10 team in college football right now. But how can you be scared look at what you've seen so far against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, and then almost losing to Maryland at home, and then not look towards Ohio State and go, yep, that one's a lot scarier. Let's try to win. Let's not be worried about this game. Let's be worried. Let's just have fun. Let's just have fun, and then we'll play Ohio State, and it'll be fun. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but Ohio State just looks really good. Like, really good. Alabama beat up on Vanderbilt 55-3. Bryce Young had four passing touchdowns in the game. Yeah, it's between it's Stroud and Young. Everybody else is like nowhere close. Like Caleb Williams is up there. Easily he's up there, but he's not at that CJ Stroud, Bryce Young level. I'm sorry, especially after this weekend. Struggled bad. And I I understand Oregon State's a talented football team. They're a very tough team, but Caleb Williams did not have a great game on Saturday. He didn't. I'm sorry. And then Clemson, they struggled against Wake Forest, which I thought would happen. I thought they would have some struggles against them. Sam Hartman had six passing touchdowns this game. I'm so happy he's back because he is so he's a very good college quarterback. Very good college quarterback. Then, like clockwork, we had Kansas State beating Oklahoma. I don't know why so many people are surprised by that. It happens all the freaking time. Adrian Martinez 
showed off his Heisman potential that he had all those years at Nebraska. The 40-year-old scored five total touchdowns against Oklahoma. And then we had Kentucky beating Northern Illinois. A lot tougher game than what a lot of people would have expected. But Will Levis, four passing touchdowns a game, 303 passing yards. He's looked good. He's starting to look. He's starting to be. He played well last week. Played well this week. It's his third third out of four games, 300-yard passing game. Didn't turn the ball over, which is very, very big. It's the only game this year he hasn't thrown an interception, which is big. I gave it against Northern Illinois. I understand that. But you need to have these types of games. They can build a lot of momentum for the season. And Kentucky's still in the top 10. I think they're already seventh. Ridiculous. Uh, we had a really weird game in Arkansas, or in, in Dallas against Arkansas and A&M. And Arkansas, this bothered me a little bit looking at the rankings. Arkansas lost to A&M by two points and dropped 10 spots. 10 spots for losing by two points on a neutral site? What? 10? Oklahoma just lost to Kansas State. A Kansas State team that lost to Tulane the week before. And you're telling me that <laughs> they only dropped two less spots, two more spots than Arkansas did? Arkansas lost to a top 25 team by two. Oklahoma got beat by a team that lost to Tulane at home. <laughs> like, why is Oklahoma drop why are Oklahoma and Arkansas dropping such at similar rates? That makes no sense to me. That makes zero sense to me. That is ridiculous that they dropped so far. They dropped nine spots in the coaches' poll. Like, what? What? <laughs> Why is this a thing? Lost by two points. Or an Ed Reed-style touchdown on one of them. Where they, they KJ Jefferson fumbled the ball, and they picked it up, ran halfway down, they pitched it back, or handed it off back, and scored a touchdown. Just some freak thing that will never happen. Happens like once every three years or something. <laughs> something crazy like that happened. But ten spots. For losing by two. To a top 25 Texas A&M team where you lost, Oklahoma lost, to Kansas State, a team lost to Tulane, lost to them at home, and a lot of Adrian Martinez to score five touchdowns and you lost, you dropped 12 spots. That doesn't make, that makes zero sense to me. I'm sorry, that makes no sense. But, but man, I'm happy for Tennessee though. I'm happy for Tennessee. Tennessee moved up to eight. Tennessee had a very, very fun game against Florida. Very fun game. Florida made it a game towards the end. Tennessee tried to pull away a little bit, but Florida tried to close. They closed the gap to a certain extent, but Tennessee ended up winning 38-33. Hendon Hooker balled out. That was his I'm here, notice me game. We've already, we've talked about Hendon Hooker a thousand times in this show, dating back to last year. Like Hendon Hooker is a dude. He is a dude. And this was a game against a top 20 Florida team. You have to ball out in these games. And he did. He had his best game of his career on Saturday, he had 349 passing yards, two touchdowns, and 112 rushing yards in a touchdown. Average 8.6 yards per carry. And Anthony Richardson had a career high in passing yards, 453 passing yards. Had through his first two passing touchdowns of the season, which is big. Threw an interception, but had 62 yards on the ground as well with two touchdowns there. And there was one play where Anthony Richardson scored a quarterback dive, and he was clearly in the end zone. And... Um, they, they took a very long time to say he was in. Very, very long time. Very long time. It was confusing, but I'm, I'm happy for Tennessee. I am happy for Tennessee. I'm happy for Hendon Hooker. We had NC State beating up on UConn 41-10. Utah beat Arizona State 34-13. Well, I guess those games aren't really that important. We got Oregon coming back to beat Washington State 44-41. I think I heard it was like Oregon scored 14 points in the last three minutes of the game or something like that to win. One of them being a pick, Cam Ward threw an interception, a very ugly interception on a screenplay. They got housed. Bo Nix had 428 yards passing. But yeah, Oregon came out victors in that. We'll get to one game a little bit later. We had Washington beat the breaks off Stanford 40-22. Texas lost to Texas Tech 37-34. Miami, good freaking lord. 45-31 lost to Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee never beat a top 25 team in a row, in ever, in the history Beat Miami at home by 14 points. What the hell was that? What happened in this game? I I don't understand this whatsoever. And they were winning the entire time. <laughs> like it was never close. The close of the game got like Middle Tennessee was up 24 to 3 at one point in the second quarter. The closest this game got 
was when it, the fourth quarter when it was Miami scored to make it thirty eight to twenty four. No, no, I take that back. When it was ten to three, that was the closest technically. But man, I did not see that coming at all. What was the line in this game? Twenty five and a half for Miami. Twenty five and a half. <laughs> they lost by fourteen to a team that never beat a top twenty five team in their existence. That is ridiculous, but the game I want to talk about the most is Iowa State versus Baylor. I was at this game. We scored some tickets to this game. We were sitting in the front row, which I, I've never noticed this before. Maybe Iowa State fans can help me out on this. Why is Jack Trice Stadium, why is the first row the second row? Why is that a thing? Like I, we, Our original seats were sitting in what we thought was the second row. Turns out it was the third row. And the second row was actually the first row. So our seats were front row. But it was the second row. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe someone else can help me explain that, but or figure explain that to me. And I've made fun of Iowa State fans a lot on this show for complaining about refs and like this was the reason they lost the game and stuff like that. Uh that one there were some weird calls in this game. Very weird. There was a, a targeting call on Iowa State early that was bogus. They reviewed it and still confirmed it. And then Baylor, like to, he was either in the next drive or the second drive on defense. Baylor does the exact same thing, and not only is there no review, there's not even a penalty on it. Like, if you're like bad targeting calls happen more often than what we what should happen, but if you're gonna call that one that happened on Iowa State earlier in the game, you have to stay consistent. You have to stay consistent. You have to call that targeting. And then there was a play later in the game where Hunter Decker's quote-unquote forward momentum was stopped when it wasn't, and he threw it to Drill Brock, who maybe would have scored a touchdown. Looked very likely that he was going to score a touchdown. Called that one off. And there was a couple other plays that I'm, just, I'm not really remembering, but I know there was a lot of really weird plays that happened in this game in regards to calls. But, man, lose by seven at Baylor's nothing to be upset about. Baylor's a good football team, but there are a lot of things that could have gone differently had some calls gone differently. Now, I was fully expecting Drill Brock fumbled the ball at the one-yard line, clear fumble, but he recovered in the end zone. Barely. Great play by Drill Brock. I was fully expecting the refs to say that wasn't a touchdown. It was going to be Baylor ball. I was totally expecting that. And then when they <laughs> when the ref came back, I brought so I brought a few friends that had never been to an Iowa State game before. Two of them had never been to a big-time college football game before, like in a big stadium, big FBS stadium and stuff like that. I whispered to one of them, and I was like, this place is going to go insane when he says they didn't recover in the end zone. Because we thought they were reviewing the fumble at the one-yard line. And once we were like, oh, he, uh, he, yeah, he's, that ball's out. I didn't know that they there was that he recovered in the end zone. They showed the replay on the board, scoreboard like a thousand times when we were just fumbling at the one. It's like, oh, they're not even looking at that. They're looking to see if he recovered it. And once they showed that, I was like, oh, that's what they're reviewing. And the ref came back out and said, uh, the ref, the the running back clearly, or the ball carrier clearly fumbled the ball at the one-yard line. However, it just dropped the hardest however I've ever heard in my entire life. He recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. I feel like Iowa State, with some of the things that they've got that didn't go their way in this game, could some feel hard done by in this game. I thought Iowa State would win this game, and there are a lot of Iowa State fans that are upset about this, but man... It was a fun game. It was a really, really fun game. Hot. My left side of my body is sunburned. The right side is not. <laughs> it was very, very, very weird. But great experience. I love going to that stadium. I've been there, I think, five times now. I've been to two UNI games. I've been to an Iowa game, and I've been to a Texas A&M game. So I've been there. This is my fifth time going to see Baylor. I, I always like going there. What they've done renovation-wise, that stadium is awesome. I love these uniforms they're rocking, white, red, white. I think that's their best uniform combination. I really like those uniforms. I know there are a lot of Iowa fans that really do not like the black uniforms. I could really care less. There's so many teams that have black uniforms now. They're not copying Iowa. For any, if anything, Iowa has done the most egregious copying in college football history by stealing the Steelers uniforms. So that's all I'm going to say on the matter in regards to black uniforms. I really like Iowa State's white, red, white uniforms, though. I really like those. Do they rock white, white, white all that often? I think they should because that would be a good look. Now, one team, we talked about the college football rankings one team that can feel hard done by but not being in the rankings is Kansas. Kansas 3 and, or 4 and 0. Kansas 4 and 0. Sure they're receiving votes, they'd be 26th of the rankings went out to 26 rankings, but Kansas 4 and 0 and beat 
West Virginia, Houston, and Duke. I get none of those teams were ranked at the time, but Houston was ranked at the top 25 when the season started. West Virginia is always in and around the top 25. Like, any other... And then both of those games are on the road. Kansas should definitely be in the top 25. And that Iowa State game next week in Lawrence is going to be very fun. Jaden Daniels, I'm really happy that he's balling out. Uh, really, you had Jalen Daniels balling out. He's completed over 70% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, one pick. Also has 320 yards rushing with four touchdowns. I am loving this. I know a lot of people, including myself, loved Kansas' team when they went 11 and one, or 12-1, and one, beat Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. I'm not saying this will be the same team, but I, I enjoy watching Kansas. I enjoy watching Kansas be good in football. I don't really care about basketball because they're always going to be good in basketball, but football, they're going to be fun. Now, they do play a stretch of really tough games. After, like, Iowa State, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, at Baylor, Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, Texas, and then at Kansas State. So, their next, three of their next four road games are against ranked teams. And then the other road game that they're playing against Texas Tech is a team that just beat a ranked team in, in Texas last week. So And they beat Houston, too. So, they've beaten a ranked team as well. But yeah, college football is fun. You and I got a very nice win against Western Illinois, which is a, was a must-win game for the Panthers. Needed that one, 52-17, I believe, was the final. It started off really slow. Really, really slow for you and I. Like, it, it looked a little scary at times. Like, oh my god, are they actually struggling against Western Illinois? And then they, they righted the ship. They needed a win. Needed a win badly. Badly, 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 badly needed a win. And they got one. They got one. That's all that matters. But I think that's all I've got for you on this Monday edition of Logan Blamish. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I will apologize gravely, as I usually do when I have a bad show. I didn't really like the show. My throat is feeling kind of weird. Ugh, I'm tired. <laughs> I went to the, the Iowa State game yesterday, watched Iowa, and then I'm not really in the greatest mood anyways because the Bills just lost to the Dolphins. But they'll right the ship. Again, I think the Bills win by 14 at least when they play December. That's my prediction. Bold prediction. Jalen Hurts, continue balling out. Love and watching it. And I hope you enjoy Sunday Night Football. I hope I do as well. Though the Broncos don't look very good and I get to watch Jimmy Garoppolo, I will <laughs> try to enjoy the game. But with that being said, I will see you all later. Leave a rating on, a, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a rating on a five stars. So make sure you're subscribed if you are not subscribed. And I will see you all later. We will have quarterback rankings on Wednesday. Peace.